What's better than one John? Here's Johnny. Hmm. Nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is Kenzano and Wilner, a.k.a. John and John. Welcome to another episode of Kenzano and Wilner, the podcast, everyone. I am John Wilner, the Bay Area News Group, Pac12Hotline.com, and available at media outlets across the conference footprint with the great John Canzano. Where, uh, where, tell them where to find you. Uh, you can find me, uh, you can find me mostly on press row at games, or you can find me, uh, squirreled away in my radio studio, uh, doing my radio show at home, or, or you can go to johnconzano.com and get a free subscription or get a paid subscription, whatever works for, for you works for me. But I feel like I'm a little what? bit on at this point. Hold on, the hold season. on. Yeah, yeah go ahead. There, I thought you were broadcasting your radio show every day from the top floor, the penthouse suite in downtown Portland. No? I, I was until the pandemic hit. We had built out this whole home studio pre-pandemic because my wife does TV and she does her own show. Uh, you know, a, uh, she does kind of a um, YouTube and uh, Facebook show that she does once a week from home. Oh, yeah, so yeah. We, she's she's yeah. way more popular than you are. Yeah, way more. ThatExpertShow.com if you want to see it. But she... Uh, she already had this TV studio, and so I started doing the radio show from the studio at home. And I, you know, I, when they said, "Hey, go home, don't come in downtown," I, I haven't been back. Like I, I'm just, yeah. I continued to do the show from home. My kids will pop on the radio show now and then because they wander in to the studio. But um, you know, I'm. So do you have a huge like? an array of electronic boards to do that? Yeah, we've got the array because we were set up for her TV show. So I have way more than I need here. I even have TV cameras and lighting and a green screen. And, you know, I'm in a soundproof studio at home. So wow. if I ever need to get away, this is where I go. Don't tell anybody. Nice. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, that's where I go. Um, what do you want to talk about today? Where do you want to, uh, what do you want to start with today? Let's start with, how about we start with misinformation? Okay. There's been and there's been a lot of it since June 30th, right? And the latest example, Monday morning, Dan Patrick Show reports Pac-12 is going to invite San Diego State to be a member this week. And another example of how you know realignment is—it's just such a hard thing to cover, right? It's not like covering a team on a day-to-day basis with injuries. It's not like covering recruiting with, you know, this kid's got a list of five finalists. It is a next level uh, endeavor to cover properly because there, I think there are so many influences, right? You're not just dealing with the school's athletic department. You got to deal with the, the president's office. You've got potentially regents and trustees. You've got TV partners. There's so many f- layers to it. That it's hard, and there's misinformation. Every time we have realignment, there is misinformation, and the the report on Dan Patrick was the latest example. Pac-12 is not going to – they're not offering San Diego State membership now, this week. It may happen, right? Uh, I'm hearing it very well may happen, but I think it's going to happen after they agree to a media deal. I think we're finding out – like one of the things I've noticed is, look, in, in the world in general, there's a lot of misinformation. We've seen it in the last couple of few years, and – I think one of the big things that's hurt is there's been a deterioration of the traditional news sources, the mainstream media. There's been layoffs. There's been budget cuts. And I think some of the news entities are covering less and less. And you're getting, uh, you know, you're losing a lot of institutional knowledge as people retire and leave those agencies. And what I have noticed is like there is a premium right now 
on if you are sourced, if you are in the know, if you have in-depth information, you've got something valuable. And and look, you and I both, in the wake of you know the San Diego State, it's imminently happening this week. Like I I immediately reached out to my sources who said no, nothing's changed. And you know, and I'm talking to people inside the Pac-12, and I'm talking to people at some of the expansion candidate campuses. And they're saying, no, no, we're not hearing that. You know, nothing has changed. Nothing good, nothing bad, but nothing has changed. I think Dan Patrick ultimately ends up right. I think San Diego State's the no-brainer, low-hanging fruit. They're the obvious choice. And I've got a lot of respect for Dan Patrick, but I don't think his source knows the timeline. It just doesn't make sense with the Pac-12's sort of mission to go, hey, we're going to get media rights done, then look at expansion. Um, You know, and again, we're talking about the Regents meeting uh, with UCLA in front of that. So I've, I compl- I kind of compare it to a triple jump. You ever seen a triple jump? Hop, skip, jump, right? I think yep. it's going to be Regents meeting is the hop. The skip is the expansion, or excuse me, the television media rights. And then the jump is expansion. So hop, skip, jump. I think it happens in that order. I think it has to happen in that order because they can't sign a media deal until they are 100% sure UCLA is leaving. And right now, You know, the way I look at it is it's 90 to 95% sure UCLA is leaving, but they can't, they can't do it until they're hundred percent sure. And I think that they'll know, you know, November 17th is the day the regents are supposed to discuss it. If there's no decision that specific day, it will be soon after. And then things should move pretty quickly. I, I keep hearing, you know, the next month or so to me, it'll be interesting do they get the media rights deal done before the Pac-12 championship game, right? That is Friday. I think that's a December 2nd, I think, is that Friday? I, I, to me, that's like the target date. Will it be be bef- media deal before December 2nd or soon after? Let me ask you on the Regents front. <clears throat> you initially, I think we were in alignment, and we both said less than 10% chance that UCLA stays in the Pac-12, depending on what happens with the Regents thing. Can you nail down your percentage right now? And has that changed over time? No, I'd still put it about 5 or 10%. Uh, I think it's it's pretty darn unlikely. Uh, and part of that's because they don't want to get involved, you know, legally with all the contracts that have been signed on the Big Tens. End. But to me, until it's 100%, you can't ignore the story. I think that there's a better chance that they slap UCLA with some kind of subsidy and for some, say, you know, they figure out some kind of revenue delta between what UCLA's getting and what Cal's getting in the Pac-12, and they UCLA has to has to pay Cal, you know, half that half that delta somehow for a certain number of years. But if but that could, you know, we'll see what UCLA does. But if if they've got to subsidize Cal a few million bucks a year, five million bucks a year, I don't know if they'll re re-examine you know, whether it's worth it or not. And the other the other piece that I think we haven't talked about and is very remote, but can't be ignored either, is would the Pac-12 say to UCLA, we will take you back and you can have a outsized cut of the revenue. Now that's a wormhole. They probably don't want to go down, but I also think we can't completely ignore it until this whole thing's done. I asked a uh, sitting Pac-12 athletic director that very question, and I was told all options are on the table, that that's a possibility. I also know that, you know, they met recently, 
and they talked about, you know, some procedural stuff that has to happen. All 12 ADs, including UCLA and USC, were in on that portion of the meeting, and then they had to be excused when they talk about conference matters that kind of involve media rights, what yep. is going on. And uh, I asked, how does that go? And I was told it's it's a little awkward, but everybody kind of understands that's how it has to be. So that's what's going on in the inner sanctum of the Pac-12. Yeah. But I also think, like, I have sensed a little softening in the UCLA world in the last week. And I don't know if UCLA is just saying, like, look, you know, they're going to have to be in the conference regardless until the summer of 2024. So there's some time. Even if, even if the news uh, coming out of this Regents meeting is, hey, they're gone they're going to have to be here. They're going to have to coexist. Maybe they just want to have a good relationship. But there also may be a chance that in the back of their mind, you know, they know there's a 5% chance or an 8% chance that they may have to reverse course. And so I think uh, I think at that point, you know, I'm just seeing a little softening from the UCLA camp. And I, and I just wonder if I'm reading too much into it or not. I'm with you. I still think it's less than 10%. But I've gone from I, – I originally thought like 2%. Then I went to 5%. Now I'm around 8%. So I'm with you. That is a real wormhole, though, if they – I mean, if they were to say to UCLA, we'll give you a, an extra portion of the revenue shares. I mean, Oregon and Washington are going to be clamoring for the same thing, and they should get it, right? So then all of a sudden you're left with uh, a serious uh, difference in the revenue and how many tiers do you cr- do you create – so I think they've got to talk about that at the presidential level, but boy, uh, to me that that seems yeah. that seems fraught, right? Again, I keep getting back to any kind of unequal revenue share should be based on postseason. Yes. So you'd think UCLA would be in good shape getting extra March Madness units, but man, it, splitting up uh, unequally the the you know the main main stream of revenue from broadcast rights. That is, uh, that's a wormhole. Unless you can justify the added value of the LA TV market, not going to happen. And I agree with you. I think, I think they're more focused on postseason revenue, college football playoff revenue. You, you know, you, let's just set, use UCLA as an example. You know, you get the get to the NCAA tournament. Hey, maybe you get extra shares of the units that you create in the NCAA tournament. You make the college football playoff when it expands to twelve teams you get a larger share yourself. Like, I think that would apply to anybody, whether it's Oregon, Washington, UCLA, or whoever. That's very equitable. I think you would get support for that from Washington State, Oregon State, Arizona, and some others that would be less inclined to share that media rights pie that you're talking about. I think I agree 100% with you. Yeah. You had, um, we'll get to our picks here in a a few minutes, but you had an interesting note uh, you know, something that has been talked about, you know, on and off. It's kind of at this point, it's it's a little bit background noise, right? Uh, eight versus nine. You had an interesting point in your column this morning. Do you think there's a real chance the conference will drop to eight, eight league games? I think they will. I think, you know, Merton Hanks, you know, told me on my radio show earlier this season that there's a lot of support for going from nine games to eight. He said, we've never wavered, meaning that, you know, they feel like eight is the right number, but not everyone's in favor of it. I've talked to a few schools that are saying, look, we're having a hard time finding three non-conference opponents. Those, um, those guarantee games, the cost of them is rising. 
Oregon paid BYU $1.1 million to go to Autzen Stadium this season. Florida State's playing Louisiana Lafayette uh, a couple weeks from now. $1.4 million for a game in Tallahassee. Auburn's playing Western Kentucky $1.9 million for a game on November 19th. Like, you can't do that if you're the Pac-12. So if you go 9-8, to what do you have to do? You have to have a crossover uh, series with another conference. And the only conference you could do that with is the ACC. You've written about this. I've written about it. I don't think it's imminent. I don't think we're going to hear this news. You know, the hop, skip, jump we talked about. I don't think it's going to come in that. But I think we're going to see the Pac-12 sometime, maybe uh, in the next 6 to 12 months, announce, hey, we're going from nine games to to eight. And, oh, by the way, we're creating a home-and-home series, uh, crossover series with ACC partners. We're going to match them up. And I think ESPN will be involved in this. Uh, You know, I think we're going to see some – Payday games, like Oregon got $4.5 million to play Georgia earlier this season. Decide for yourself if they should have played it, but that's what they got. Uh, But I think we're going to see some payday games at SoFi Stadium and Allegiant Stadium between some high-profile ACC and Pac-12 programs. You're going to see Miami play Oregon or Clemson play Utah or Washington play Florida State. And, And then the others, you know, like you may get Wake Forest and Oregon State playing a home and home. That's a better game for Oregon State at home than scheduling a, a big another Big Sky opponent. So for a fourth for a fourth non-conference game. So I I look I'm I'm being told like hey that's not like top of the list of the agenda items right now, but they're looking for new ways to add revenue and that is an obvious one. It is boy that would be something wouldn't it if the Pac-12 in a couple of years goes to eight conference games and the SEC goes to nine because I think with Texas and Oklahoma at a 16-team league, the SEC has got to go to nine or else teams are going to go a decade without playing each other. So that would really – that would be something. Pac-12 goes down, SEC goes goes up. But you mentioned one one school in there that is in, kind of important to keep in mind in this whole calculation, and that's BYU, right? Because once BYU is in the Big 12, BYU does not have nearly as many slots on its schedule. That has been a great – opponent for the Pac-12, right? Last year, five teams played BYU. The Cougars draw. They're good for TV. It's good competition. It's not a long trip for either either team. But BYU is kind. They're not completely off the market once they're in the Big 12, but, but they're somewhat off the market. And so that takes away a great opponent for non-conference games and, and will make it harder for the Pac-12 to schedule unless, like you said, that eight, that fourth non-conference game is a is a home and home with the ACC. It would have to be because I think there's a couple of schools in particular. I floated this uh, a couple of months ago and I heard immediately from a couple of schools who said, hey, we're having a hard time with three games. You, you know, I we're not in favor of that fourth game. And and but, so I think it has to be. And, and also, let's think about it from a playoff uh, perspective. If you're going to a 12 team playoff, the opportunity to get a stronger non-conference opponent in that fourth game and not cannibalize your own conference by playing a crossover game is super attractive because in given years, your good teams are going to get to crossover. And, you know, you might even have, you know, maybe Washington State or Oregon State in a, in a given year, they're, they're, they're uh, loaded and they get a crossover game with Georgia Tech or Wake Forest and they win it big. And that's another point on your resume. And guess what? you don't have them playing another in-conference program and giving a loss to somebody else. So I think there's support for it, and I think it could be a moneymaker for the schools. And it also gives ESPN a chance to sprinkle some money on the ACC members who are really restless right now going, hey, what about us?
Oh yeah, that there is a lot of unrest in the ACC. There's no question. It's, it's the Pac-12 and the Big 12 are getting a lot more attention, but the ACC definitely has got issues and is definitely in, interested in get generating more revenue without being without breaking the the TV contract. He's John Wilner, uh, Pac-12Hotline.com. I'm John Canzano. You can find me at johnconzano.com. Let's get into the Week 11 picks, Wilner. Friday well, night. I just want to yeah. hear what you – you're so hot. <laughs> I just want to hear what you got. Nobody cares about me. No. What do you got? And not only are you hot, you tempted fate by talking about I how know. hot you were, and then you still I know. went, what, five out of six? I, w- I went that. five and one last week. And, that is impressive. And I am knocking on wood again. I was 5-1. and one. I, I am, uh, for the season, I'm 42-27 and 27 against the spread. That's 60, 61%. But I'm 17-3 and three in my last 20, and I'm knocking on wood. It's going to end at some point. Does it end this week is the question. All right, so let's start with this one. Colorado at USC. By the way, all the home teams this week are favored, are favored and, and have some big spreads. Colorado's at USC on Friday, 6-30. FS1, John Wilner, who do you like? Well, I mean, I thought Colorado could cover that. What was it? Against Oregon last week? Yeah, 31. 31 and a half last week. It's and they couldn't even cover week. that. Yeah, it's 34. They even, now they're going on the road, short week. I mean, I, I don't know. It's 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 super tough. I'm going to pick the Buffs because I think USC has always got the potential to turn on the snooze button, right? We saw that against Cal. They were up big at halftime. Cal scored 28 points in the second half, covered through the back door. I kind of feel like same thing's going to happen this time. Trojans will be way ahead. Colorado will score late in the game, cover that. I got SC 45-17. I'm very close to you, and I see it much the same way. Um, the, uh, you know, the USC's better, like clearly better. They win this game easily, but I don't think they cover the 34. I think Colorado will score on that USC defense. I'm going to put Colorado at 21 points. And, and I got USC beating them 40, 49-21. That 34 is too much. So I'm taking Colorado plus 34, and I don't feel great about it, but I'm doing it. Arizona State's at Washington State on Saturday, 1230, Pac-12 Networks. I'll go first on this one. Washington State is an eight-point favorite at home. Um, you know, Loved what Washington State did on offense last week against Stanford. It's exactly what they needed. Um, you know, The home favorites in the Pac-12 – they, they don't just win the games. They cover the spread almost 70% of the time. So the trend is your friend. Washington State hunting win number six. I think they get it. I think they cover the eight points against Arizona State. I have it 31-21 Washington State. I am just checking my phone real quick for the latest weather forecast. Oh, so it's up to <laughs> high of 37 in Pullman on Saturday afternoon. Still going to be about 30, 40 degrees colder than it is in Tempe yeah. when the Sun Devils get on the bus. Uh, look, I... Big game for the Cougars, right? Because they get bowl eligible. I think the return of Nikhil Watson, and we've talked about Renard Bell's injury being a big deal for them. Nikhil Watson, he's back. You saw how much he helped against Stanford with the running game. And also, he's so important to them as a, as a, in pass protection. So I think that the Cougars are going to kind of get stay in this offensive rhythm. Their defense is going to cause all kind of trouble for ASU. I've got the Cougars... 31-20, so they're covering. Uh, Very they just, similar. Their defense, yeah. is, defense is just too good for ASU. So that's a win six. And if they win, that is their seventh consecutive bowl bid. If you if you exclude 2020, seventh consecutive bowl bid, which is a hell of an accomplishment for, for that program given, you know, 
the rel- resources relative to some other schools. Washington, Oregon, Saturday, 4 o'clock. Big rivalry game on Fox. Oregon at home, 13.5-point favorite at home. How do you see that game going, Wilner? Well, I'm already on record. I went uh, I went on uh, KGR Radio in Seattle with our friend Softy and Dick and uh, proclaimed it would be a bloodbath. And I've got to admit, that may have been overstating it just a teeny bit, but I do not see how the Huskies can stay with them for the whole 60 minutes. I just don't think Washington's defense is good enough. And Oregon's defense is not great, but it's certainly good enough to get get a few stops. And I, I just think the Ducks' offense is so good. I've got Oregon 41-24, so that is co- Oregon covering. But I could see it being, you know, 41-14, 41-10, and then the Huskies – kind of do what they did at UCLA a little bit, which is get some fourth-quarter touchdowns when the game's out of reach. Oregon's done that. They've let some teams get back in late, and and Oregon doesn't seem interested in embarrassing anyone under Dan Lanning, so I think that's important to note. But Oregon's too good, and they know that the playoff selection committee is watching. As much as I like what Kalen DeBoer is doing, he's building a contender. I have... uh, I have some reservations here about Washington. I think they'll get yards, but not points in this game. I have it Oregon 48, Washington 27. The Ducks cover the 13 and a half. They win the game uh, going away. Yeah, I mean, they need to be worried about style points, though, at this point in yep. the season. So he's got to keep that in mind. Cal's at Oregon State Saturday, 6 o'clock, Pac-12 Networks. Uh, Reeser Stadium is interesting to me. We could talk about home fields and the home field advantage maybe on another episode, but this might be the second best home field advantage in the conference behind Utah and Rice Eccles Stadium. Beavers are nine and one in their last ten at home. Their only loss was the three point loss to USC. They just seem to play better defense. They make fewer mistakes at home. They can beat anybody, anybody in this conference on their home field. So, th- do you think that the the way the stadium is currently constructed with the renovation has affected the home field advantage there? Hundred percent. They've they've got all 26,000 fans on one side of the stadium. They have filled in the open side of the stadium with concrete. Um, I thought they might be piping in sound for it was that loud for the USC game, but I went and explored. I looked at, you know, I stood by the speakers. They're not. It's just the acoustics in the building have changed and it is deafening for that opposing team. That's the press box side of the stadium is the same as the visiting side. The sound coming at you is deafening and it's going to be really interesting when they fill that stadium in when they if they sell it out, it's going to be special inside that stadium. So but Oregon State's favored by 13 and a half in this game. I'm I like Oregon State to beat Cal. I don't think Cal will score more than maybe 14 or 17 points in this game. But I'm a little concerned about the 13 and a half given the way Oregon State plays. You know, they want to they want to make it a scrum. They want to they want to scuffle, they want to rumble with you. I I'm taking Oregon State 28-14. I'm taking them to cover the 13 and a half, but I think this spread is dead on because it could be 31-17. 28-14. It just has the feel of a two-score game to me. I think Oregon State wins it though. Gets wins number seven on the season. Yeah, I I've got the I've got Cal covering barely 24-13 Oregon State, and some of that's because Cal's always good as a a road dog with Justin Wilcox. Yeah. Uh, although Jonathan Smith, I think I think they are unbeaten against the spread at home this year, but you know both teams want to run the ball. Both teams play good defense. I, I agree with you. It's a scrum both ways and, and you know, fairly close. Kind of like the Washington-Oregon State game we just saw, right? That was 24-21. This probably won't be quite as close, but low scoring in that regard. I feel like Vegas is caught up to the Pac-12 a little bit uh, with 
you know, with the spreads. And uh, because I found that there were a few spreads this week and I was like, gosh, that is right on where I would pick it. I, I, I'm right on the fence. There were a few of these games. This next one was one of them. Stanford's at Utah, Saturday, 7 p.m. ESPN. Utah's a 24-point favorite in this game. I'm going to do something crazy here. I'm going to take Stanford in the points because I think Utah's going to win 38-16. I don't think they're going to cover. But I think there is um, – I think it's only because Kyle Whittingham is gearing this season now, I think, for November 19th when they go to Oregon. And for that reason, I think the Utes will get ahead early. They'll run the ball a whole bunch against Stanford. And I think he might shut some guys down in this game to, you know, sort of prepare for November 19th against Oregon. I, I could see Utah being up like 28-7 and just kind of coasting to 38-16. Yeah. Yeah, and that number, the line is basically exactly what their winning margin was last week against Arizona. And, you know, you could argue it's a similar game, right? Stanford, Arizona, same records. So I'm with you. I think Utah's in a little bit of a look-ahead situation for sure. And we don't know who's playing for that team, right? They got half their half their playmakers have been injured this year at least. Uh, so I, I think that they could end up in, in that look-ahead deal, but I, I just can't see Stanford getting more. They can't score. Stanford hasn't scored no. more than 16 points yeah. in a month. Yeah, I got him at so 16. Yeah. I got yeah. I got 38-10, so I got Utah okay. covering barely. Yeah, it, that one to me was tricky. I didn't like it, but I looked at it, and I said, gosh, could I really could I really take Stanford in 24? But I, I think Stanford gets into the end zone a couple times. Maybe they kick a field goal. Arizona's at UCLA, the nightcap, Saturday, 730 on Fox. I love Arizona's offense. They've shown some promise. They're fun to watch on offense. But they're running into UCLA right now, and I think UCLA is pissed off after the playoff rankings came out and they were at number 12, and they're looking at USC and Oregon so far in front of them. And So I expect Chip Kelly and the Bruins will show up motivated. UCLA is a 19.5-point favorite. I got it 48-24. The Bruins win, cover the 19.5, and uh, you know try to make a statement for the committee next Tuesday. Yeah, I got 48 48- 34. So I got Arizona covering, but that's because, you know, backdoor late points when UCLA shut it down. I agree that they, they're probably upset about that CFP situation and they shouldn't be as far behind USC as they are. I think that's a miss by the committee, but I also wonder if they're going to get into that a little bit of a look ahead to the game against the Trojans and Arizona. They both Arizona schools, they often play well in L.A. because they got so many kids there that are playing in front of their, you know, the family and friends factor. So I I think Arizona is going to cover. It won't be close. It's not going to be in doubt. But I I got Arizona covering because of some late touchdowns. If you could only watch one game this week, which game are you tuning into? Oh, well, I mean, Oregon, Washington, uh, even though I don't think it's going to be particularly close. That's certainly, you know, the marquee game. Yeah, Uh, but it's. I just keep thinking we get every week, right? We got these four dominant teams. Every week there's double digit point spreads. Every week those teams are rolling. At some point we got to have an upset. It just feels like, you know, the the laws of probability are going to produce an upset somewhere or at least a close game in one of these double digit spreads. I just don't know where it's going to happen. Well, let me give you some numbers on the home teams. Just this is remarkable to me. Home favorites in the Pac-12 this season have a 37-1 and record. The only loss is Arizona State's loss to Eastern Michigan. 
And then I mentioned, dealer, the home favorites don't just win. They cover the spread 70% of the time. So um, I think if they're, uh, you know, look, I again, I think the top four teams in this conference, there's a, there's a big gap between four and five. I think there's a gap between Utah and UCLA and USC and Oregon and maybe Washington, Oregon State, Washington State, that next group. But, uh, you know, at some point, yeah, I, I, I expect that to even out, but not not with somebody playing on the road. I yeah. don't think it's it, I don't think it's a road team winning. It's it's interesting how clearly defined the three tiers are with the top 4 and then the Beavers, Cougars and Huskies and then you got all those teams, you know, uh with ASU and all the one-win teams. Three three clear tiers and it has not produced the way the season has unfolded has unfolded it hasn't produced a whole lot of drama, right? We're not getting a lot of games that are in doubt down to the wire and that's kind of the trade-off with having dominant teams but on the plus side for the conference you got four teams in the top 13 of the of the playoff rankings and you got three of them that still have a legitimate shot so there's that trade-off and and i think the conference if you ask them they would probably rather have the the, the four teams highly ranked than than having parody and drama every week like we used to see He's John Wilner. You can catch him at Pac12Hotline.com. I'm John Canzano, johnconzano.com. Have a great weekend, everybody, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode of Canzano and Wilner, the podcast. Thanks for joining us.